The New Orleans Saints wasted no time finding ways to excite their fans and training camp day one, but it's not about what they did first. It's about what they do next. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Huda Nation and Huda family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, to all the everydayers out there making us your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can always subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. So you never miss a daily episode. And if you want to keep the conversation going one-on-one with me, gain access to our exclusive film studies, uh, Q&As, and of course, get early information, insider information as well. You can check all of that out over at joinsubtext.com slash locked on saints. Join a community that I would love for you to be a part of. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on your favorite social media, your New Orleans Saints expert credential member of the media you can find me as the senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints every Tuesday on the Locked on NFL podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. Today's episode, we're going to dive into our rookie watch for camp day one. We're going to be doing this every single day of camp. I'll give you an update on how rookies stood out or if they didn't at all. Uh, and that's where we're going to get to a little bit of both of those as we look at day one. We're going to look at the offensive line and the defensive line. Lots of question marks for New Orleans Saints fans about who's playing where and who's healthy where. We're going to get to some the bottom of some of that. But first, I want to start off with the New Orleans Saints did to excite everyone here the first day of training camp, but how things need to progress forward to keep it all in perspective. The uh, return of Michael Thomas, the return of Jimmy Graham, both show-stopping, show-stealing. And of course, the debut of uh, Derek Carr in training camp as well. So many moving pieces that everyone is rightfully very excited about when it comes to this New Orleans Saints team, a team that had 100% attendance across its 90-man training camp roster to open up its first day of training camp. No contract disputes, no big injuries keeping players off the field. The only player that didn't get involved because he was working off to the side on his own was Anthony Johnson, who's currently on the PUP list. We'll see if he comes off. Guys like A.T. Perry, Kendra Miller, and others who were on NFI and PUP list, all good and participating fully on thir- or excuse me Wednesday's first practice. So now the thing that we have to look at is with all of the excitement and the, the show-stopping catch and run by uh, Michael Thomas, the big leaping catch by Jimmy Graham that highlighted day one of training camp. What's next? And what expectation should we have around this New Orleans Saints team, especially with players that are big names like Michael Thomas and Jimmy Graham, but have also been effectively away from the game of football for a time. Jimmy Graham did not play in the NFL at all last year. Michael Thomas has played 10 games in the last three seasons. And I got a great question during our live show last uh, last night around whether or not Michael Thomas can be the record-breaking wide receiver that he was in 2019. And I'm not going to cut corners with you. No, he's not going to be the record-breaking wide receiver that he was in 2019. 
And that's okay because he's not going to need to be in this New Orleans Saints offense. He's got Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid who looked excellent all throughout practice on Wednesday. Alvin Kamara's catching screens again. Jamal Williams is looking good, running out of the backfield. Kendra Miller's catching passes and running out of the backfield. Eno Benjamin's breaking. It's all there. The New Orleans Saints don't need 149 catches from Michael Thomas in 2023. If they can get 80, 90 from them, and if they can get 1,000 to near 1,000 yards, they're going to be really, really happy with that. And the last time the New Orleans Saints have had 2,000-yard ride receivers was all the way back in 2016. That could happen this year if Michael Thomas stays healthy. But he doesn't have to come up with 1,700, 1,800 receiving yards like we're seeing other wide receivers do around the NFL today. And like we watched Michael Thomas do years ago. That's not going to be necessary for Mike. And I honestly think that's kind of a good thing. The fact that he doesn't have to be the focal point of the offense, the fact that he doesn't have to be force-fed, the fact that he doesn't have to be in on every play, that could extend his health. The thing you want to see from Michael Thomas more than seeing a record-breaking season all over again, the more realistic thing and the thing that everybody just wants to see first is how long can he stay out on the field? And I do think that Michael Thomas is ready to be a 16, 15, 17, potentially game receiver again. He wants that more than anybody around him and around the team and around the fan base wants him to be that. That's going to be the focus first, but he doesn't have to be 149 catch receiver. He doesn't have to be, you know, a guy that's going 1700 receiving yards. He's not going to have to be that. And that's actually a good thing for Michael Thomas. So it's not just about the excitement of what's happening now and how good he can be. It's about what happens next for him. And what needs to happen next for him is that he stays on the field and that he produces. Doesn't have to produce at a record setting pace, but it does need to produce. Similarly, you look at Jimmy Graham and then you go, okay, assuming he makes the roster, because we shouldn't just write that in pen right now that he will or that he should. You've got guys like Juwan Johnson who worked extremely hard to transition from one one, one position at wide receiver to another at tight end and earn his stripes. Foster Moreau battling everything that he battled, his return home to the city of New Orleans, just like Trey Turner. Boom. He's got a role. Taysom Hill's got a role. And Taysom Hill's running more routes that look like these sort of wheel routes and these angle routes and things that you would usually see these running backs run. So that's a really interesting piece in terms of how Taysom Hill was deployed all throughout the day in training camp day one. There are a lot of weapons in, you know, in line on this New Orleans Saints offense. Jimmy Graham is not going to just have his ticket punched right now. Dennis Allen said, look, he doesn't have to show you what he can do every day, but we still have to see it. I don't need to see it every day, but I still need to see it as a part of how he's evaluating Jimmy Graham, especially as a, a you know, latter career veteran. So if he shows you what he can do every now and then, that's all you need from him. But when it comes to 2023 season, he doesn't have to be a 1,000-yard tight end. He doesn't have to be a 700-yard tight end. He doesn't have to be a 500-yard tight end. If he ends up with 350 yards and five touchdowns all in the red zone, or not all in the red zone, but five touchdowns all in the red zone, fantastic, phenomenal. That's outstanding. For a guy that didn't play in the NFL last year and for a guy that can help the New Orleans Saints convert five more red zone possessions into touchdowns than they did last year. That takes them from 50% to near the top of the NFL. That's all that it takes. And so I think that that's what you're looking for when it comes to Jimmy Graham. Can he make it through training camp? And can he be in a situation to where, boom, he's contributing for you as a red, red zone threat? 
and getting mixed in with the Taysom Hills and the Juwan Johnsons and the Foster Moreaus and the Michael Thomases and the Chris Olaves and the Rashid Shaheeds. You get what I'm saying here. So the good thing is, yes, it's all very exciting right now, but what, all that has to happen next is that those guys just need to be healthy and on the roster. That's it. That's all that you're looking for. So it's lovely, exciting, super fun, phenomenal, as a lot of people love when I say, to see all of that excitement day one. But what's the real expectation here is that they're able to contribute and that they're able to contribute in a meaningful way. They don't need to be record setters. They don't need to be record breakers. If they want to break records, break them collectively. More than 7,474 offensive yards in 2023 would be amazing to see them break that record from 2011. Do it collectively. Don't worry about doing it individually. And I think that's the mentality that this team is ready to have as a team that is very, very clearly, if you go back and you watch all the pressers and we'll share some some of the uh, press conference stuff that we've done and media availability stuff on the show all throughout the week, but togetherness, unity, all of that being a very big emphasis for this New Orleans Saints team, that is going to carry them further than any single individual performance will. Coming up next, let's take a look at the offensive line, the defensive line, the rotations there, the health there, who was available, who was healthy, who played where. We got all that for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Our partners over at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked on Fantasy football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy advice you're going to find every single week, all season long. So whether you're prepping for the draft or you're scouring that waiver wire, we're going to be giving you and providing you the players that are going to be the guaranteed fit for your roster. So with draft prep underway this season, let's get a look at who Vinny has picked as this week's eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. If you're looking to make a smooth turn in fantasy football snake drafts with the last pick in the first round and the first pick in the second round, you can catch an initial spark in your roster by revving up with two elite NFC East wide receivers, Cowboys wide receiver CeeDee Lamb, as well as Philadelphia Eagles star AJ Brown, a letter perfect guaranteed early fit for your roster. Count on CeeDee Lamb uh, driving Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys new look passing game to big numbers. And of course, Brown for revving up Jalen Hurts downfield throwing often again in Philadelphia. Vinny Iyer of Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows that a championship team is all about players being the perfect fit. And the same goes for your vehicle. With eBay's guaranteed fit and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle at your fingertips, you can make sure that your ride is running smoothly. You want air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shock struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it. And they'll make sure that you're getting the right fit for your car because eBay's guaranteed fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle the first time. Time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride just needs a little fixing up because now you'll always be set up for success from the get go. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, everything for your car, just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, look for the green check. Get the right parts, right fit, all at the right price at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay's Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks, as always, all the everydayers out there making us your first listen of the day every day. 
If you want to make sure you're catching all of the notes from the first day of training camp, you got two ways to do it. Yesterday, we did a live show over on the Locked On podcast uh, platform feeds. However it is you're catching this show, you can find that show. You can go back to that. You can also get things a little bit earlier by heading over to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Saints. 14-day free trial, $4.99 after that per month. I promise it's worth it. Film studies, uh, constant breakdowns. You get to ask me any questions you want to anytime you want to. It all comes directly to my phone, goes directly to yours, and you get all that camp information super early as well. So you don't have to wait for the live show. You can get in on all that early. Check that out again. Join subtext.com slash locked on saints. All right. So let's take a look now at the offensive and defensive line rotations um, and how the New Orleans Saints looked on the offensive line. So the first look that they gave on the offensive line was actually really interesting because it was one that started with um, James Hurst at left tackle. Then we saw uh, a collection of Calvin Throckmorton first, and then Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz, and Ryan Ramchek. So it's going from left to right over on the offensive line. So, so Trevor Penning didn't get the first rep at left tackle, from what we could see at least. It was James Hurst. But then very soon after, Trevor Penning rotated in and then took some of those left tackle snaps. And when that happened, James Hurst moved in to left guard, not Andrus Pete, interestingly enough. Andrus Pete did rotate in eventually at left guard. Cesar Ruiz moved off of right guard after a certain point. Calvin Throckmorton went in at right guard. That was your first team. So that was a lot of moving around. A couple players in the first team reps playing at left tackle, playing at left guard, playing at right guard. Some of that has to do with the ramp up situation. Andrus Pete's on a ramp up. Cesar Ruiz is on a ramp up. Trevor Penning's likely on a ramp up. So they were there and participating, but they're not taking every single snap. So you saw them kind of move the players around. James Hurst on the outside. James Hurst at left tackle. James Hurst at right tackle. Calvin Throckmorton at right tackle or at right guard. You know what I mean? So there was a whole lot of that kind of moving around. Uh, the guys that played seemingly every snap on the offensive line with the first team were Ryan Ramchek as well as Eric McCoy. Let's look at the second team now. And the reason why I want to highlight the second team is because I want to talk to you about who was the backup center. You remember the Saints brought in Billy Price and one of my big hangups all season. If you're an everyday or you've heard me talk about this a bunch about how they need a natural center, a guy that has center experience, a guy that is specifically focused on being a center. And in that way, when if Eric McCoy ends up hurt and needing a playoff, they don't have to move Cesar Ruiz to right guard and then plug somebody else in at right guard. They can take somebody that is a center and plug them in at center. That guy was Max Garcia today. Now, buried beneath the Jimmy Graham return, as well as the Trey Turner signing, was also a Max Garcia signing on Tuesday. Max Garcia was in there playing at center all throughout day one with the second team. I think that's a good move for the New Orleans Saints. I asked Dennis Allen after practice, is that the vision in terms of what you've seen from Max Garcia that you see him as a center? And they said, and he said, yes, that's where we see it. And one of the things that Dennis Allen said, which was music to my ears, considering that I've been, you know, I, I don't know what the phrase is, but I've been sounding the alarm, I guess, on the, the backup center situation for the New Orleans Saints for the past like five or six years, was him saying, yeah, I felt like that was a position at center where we were very thin, especially after the loss of Billy Price. And so we wanted to bring a veteran in that can come in and focus at center. And I was so happy to hear that answer. So vindicated. <laughs> Imagine spending five years. It's like it's like being a child and spending five years going to the grocery store and saying, I want those Reese Puffs. I want those Reese's Puffs. I want those Reese's Puffs. And then five years later, you finally got the Reese's Puffs. I got my Reese's Puffs. Thanks to uh, Max Garcia. The next thing that I want to take a look at, I'm such a weirdo. 
uh, is kind of the next offensive line group that also rotated in. So not only did Max Garcia end up playing at um, at center, but you also saw Landon Young at left tackle, the the tackle that they drafted back a few years ago out of Kentucky, Calvin Throckmorton at left guard, Trey Turner at right guard, and then Storm Norton on the outside at right tackle. And I do think that being at right tackle for Storm Norton is exactly the same thing that we saw during OTAs, minicamp, stuff like that. Same thing for Landon Young. Uh, but I love that Trey Turner immediately in at second team right tackle. And he hasn't played a ton of right tackle during his career, played a lot of left tackle. So it is a little bit of a shift for him, a little bit of a change for him, but great to see that he was immediately there. He spoke to media after uh, practice. I asked him a question about how, you know, what he thinks about working with Jari Evans. And of course, he hadn't even met Jari Evans yet. So I felt like an idiot, but it was cool to see him there back in New Orleans. He was very happy to return to New Orleans. He, uh, uh, highlighted that he was a Saints fan and that, you know, when they, when the Saints won the Super Bowl back in 2009 slash 2010, he got a couple of days off of school and all that other stuff. So it was cool to kind of hear that he and, uh, Tyron Matthew, both St. Aug guys had some overlap in their, in their playing careers and stuff like that. So pretty cool to see. Uh, we actually saw both of them at the podium today. So it was cool to see both of them. Uh, taking a look over on the defensive side of the football, we saw Cam Jordan, uh, and Carl Granderson as a starting defensive ends. Colin Saunders and Nathan Shepard as the starting defensive tackles. So this is about what we projected. I I kind of lean a little bit more. I want Malcolm Roach up there. I really think he's in for a breakout year, but the the skill sets between Malcolm Roach and Colin Saunders are pretty overlappy. So I get Colin Saunders and Nathan Shepard. Nathan Shepard looked explosive, looked really good uh, all throughout the day. Um, again, kind of hard to gauge how effectively these guys played offensive line as well. Because it's no contact, no pads, none of that stuff. But do they look confused? Do they look lost? Are they in position to make plays? Those are the things that you're trying to figure out. And they were on the right side of all of those equations. Um, the defensive line also rotated in Malcolm Roach uh, with Colin Saunders and Brian Brzee with, uh, with Nathan Shepard. I'll get to Brian Brzee and Isaiah Foskey, A.T. Perry, all the all the, the rookies in our third segment as we, we round the corner here in just a moment. But the highlight that I want to bring here is that basically the New Orleans Saints defensive line is shaping up the way that we expected the New Orleans Saints, uh, Saints defensive line to shape up. And, and it's just the first practice. So actually, let me say it this way. Let me say it this way. The starting place for the New Orleans Saints defensive line is exactly where we thought the starting place for the New Orleans Saints defensive line was going to be. Uh, we saw Peyton Turner rotate in in place of Cam Jordan, as well as Tono Passanio rotate in in place of Carl Granderson. Tono Passanio had a nice day. A couple of plays where he stood out um, in, in pass rush. He and Peyton Turner both had uh, against, uh, I think it was the second team, so Jameis Winston at quarterback, but they had a, a pair of bull rushes that just shooketh. I mean, just imagine having Peyton Turner and Tono Passanio just barreling down on you. Those are two big, big, big guys. So I, I that was that was a really nice spot. All right, let's get to the. Uh, let's get to the rookies rookie watch. We'll do this every single day as we go through every single day that there is training camp day one rookie watch. I'll tell you who stood out and who didn't catch my eye at all. We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of locked on saints, part of locked on podcast network, your team every day. Let's get it. Who that nation wrap it up today's episode of locked on saints with rookie watch day one. And we'll also get you a couple of extra news and notes as well. I don't think we're going to, we're going to spend a lot of time. We're not going to, it's not going to take us a lot of time to go through the rookies here. Uh, so let's go through not chronologically, but, but I'm going to, I'm going to group the players together in terms of 
who we got to see a lot of, who we got to see a little bit of, and who kind of didn't really catch our eye at all. And we're going to focus on the drafted rookies. So just just the draft class uh, as we do this. If there's ever an undrafted free agent rookie that has like a huge day or something, then we'll definitely give you that. Like I can mention today, uh, Ohio State Buckeyes defensive tackle, Jerron Cage. He looked really good today. He had a couple of big moments. Uh, or yesterday, rather. I'm sorry. Uh, but when we look at where these the, the drafted players are, that's what we'll focus on. And then if somebody else stands out amongst the undrafted players, then I'll, I'll make sure to fill you in on that. So so the ones that stood out and that caught my eye, Brian Brzee, Kendra Miller, A.T. Perry. Let's start there. Those three players were guys that made plays. Um, Brian Brzee didn't... I, actually, I'll, I'll tell you this much. Actually, when it comes to Brian Brzee, Brian Brzee didn't really catch my eye because he made plays. Brian Brzee caught my eye because he is explosive. He is so quick off the line of scrimmage. He is so disruptive. He is so violent. All those, all those pieces. Um, in his draft evaluation that we did here on the show, which which we kind of shifted from Mozzie Smith to Brian Brzee, um, a couple of months before the the the, the NFL draft. <laughs> I wonder why. Uh, but <laughs> but I, I think that when we look at the thing that I continuously talked about when it came to Brian Brzee was that you would see him line up against offensive linemen in college. And then at the snap, you would see the offensive lineman's head just snap backwards and like over his shoulder. And the thing about it is that um, the reason why that happened is because that was Brian Brzee punching him in the face, right? Like not really punching him in the face, but his contact, his force, all those other things. Like he's such a strong player. That I think that like that part is what really jumps out. So we got to see a little bit of that today. Um, we'll see if there's more that continuously comes through. Uh, again, what's really going to be a good opportunity to see the defensive line play, especially for these rookies, is going to be when the pads go on, um, which I believe happens on the 30th on Friday. So that'll be a big day uh, for guys along the defensive line. The, the second player that stood out for me was Kendra Miller. And Kendra Miller didn't make any real big plays or anything like that. He had a couple of nice runs. You can see the patience and the vision are all still a part of what he's doing. But he was moving fluidly. He was running full speed despite you know all the injury stuff that kept him out of OTAs and mini camps and everything. So clearly the Saints knew what they were doing with their timeline with Kendra Miller. Because maybe if he would have come back during OTAs or mini camps, he might have been a little bit more stifled. He didn't really look like he, had, he moved with any limitations at all. Uh, throughout the first day of training camp. And I think that that's big for him because it's also a confidence thing, right? Like if you're coming into the NFL your first year, the last thing you want to be is hampered. You know what I mean? You want to be able to build your confidence and you want to be able to be confident in your body. And it's clear that Kendra Miller is very confident in what he's able to do on the football field. But the other thing that stood out for me is that he wasn't just a running back in the sense of turn, the, turn around and hand on the ball. He was also getting involved in the passing game. And this was a big knock on Kendra Miller coming out. As part of my evaluation of him was that he didn't get, he wasn't utilized a ton in the passing game. You could see that it worked and that he had it because when you watch the film, you would see all of these, you know, he's got Max Duggan, Max Dugan throwing him the football, then, you know, under pressure and the the passes outside of his frame on a screen pass is he's, he's having to reach down or in the flats and he's having to stretch out. He's having to make catches outside of his frame. So if you can make those types of catches, that's translatable, right? It doesn't matter if you're not given many opportunities to do it. If you can do it when the opportunities are there, you can do it. And that's, I think, what we're learning about Kendra Miller. A.T. Perry, um, 
didn't have a big standout catch or highlight reel catch like Chris Olave and Michael Thomas did, and even Rashid Shahid, who just looks so ridiculously fast out on the football field. He also, remember, he and Chris Olave were managing injuries during mini camps. No limitations for those guys either. They looked excellent. And so when you look at A.T. Perry, what you're really trying to see is when, when he gets an opportunity to catch passes, does he catch the ball? Does he put it on the ground? One pass went on the ground, but it was behind him and yeah, he was running a uh, like a hook. And so as he was breaking back towards the quarterback, toward the middle of the field, the pass location was uh, up and outside toward the sideline. So he's having to kind of like reach behind himself in order to even try to try to reel that in. The fact that he got his hand on it in the first place is pretty impressive because it shows his wingspan, but him not being able to bring that in is not something that I'm very concerned about. Other than that, nothing really caught my eye in terms of him not catching passes or him having issues with catching or anything like that. He didn't get any contested catch opportunities. So I'll I'll give it a middle of the road type of a grade here because part of it is that we didn't get him, we didn't get to see whether or not he could do the thing we all want to know if he can do. And so once we get to see that as an evaluating tool, then I think that that will help as well. The guys that um, we got our eyes on, but who didn't necessarily, you know, rub us one way or another, uh, Jake Hayner was definitely one of them going five for five uh, in this year's or in the, um, in this year, what am I doing? In, in in Wednesday's first day of training camp, uh, but didn't really push the ball downfield at all. A lot of you know dink and dunk type stuff. Uh, didn't really do much. Super impressive, but his timing's really good. His uh his his accuracy and ball location are both really good. So those are the things that you want to continue to see him build on. He's clearly made some nice steps. Looks a lot more comfortable than he did during OTAs, as well as of course uh, mini camps. Nick Saldaveri didn't get to see too much of him, would be hard to gauge him anyway because, uh, again, these guys aren't really putting their hands on each other, they're not really touching each other, it's not, you know, it's not any contact. So he leads off our list of guys that didn't really catch my eye, Nick Saldaveri being one of them, but understandably so, Isaiah Foskey being the other, again, understandably so. We talked about all these other guys that have stood out and Jerron Cage on the defensive line and Jerron Cage and Nathan Shepard and uh, Tano Passanio and Peyton Turner. And so Isaiah Foskey just didn't get that opportunity today. It, it just wasn't there for him. Um, I'm not even sure. I, I don't think he took snaps outside of third team. I'm not even really sure. Just didn't really get many eyes on him at all. So we we know he was there, but he didn't really catch our eyes. Not because he was you know performing poorly or anything like that, but just simply because sometimes that's the way that the cookie crumbles when it comes to these training camp practices. And then finally, Jordan Howden didn't really get to see a ton of him either. Uh, looking forward to seeing more of him. Did see him working with Marcus Robertson and Joe Woods and um, you know the, the these defense these defensive coaches. And he is just a sponge. He wants to soak everything up. He wants to know everything. And so you could see that above the shoulders football, his field vision, the way he sees the field, all those other things that you know the Saints were excited about. You can see all of that starting to translate through there. So that's the way I would break up the draft class today. We'll revisit tomorrow after another day or later on today uh, after another day of uh, of Saints training camp. A couple of extra news and notes for you. The battle for cornerback on the outside, just to get into one other thing about rotation and deployment, uh, was uh, Paul Sinadibo got the first team reps today. I expect that we'll see Alante Taylor get the first team reps uh, tomorrow. Uh, linebacker was as you would expect. Wide receivers were as you would expect. Mm, you know, nothing really, nothing really out of the ordinary in terms of any of that. And these numbers are courtesy of my colleague over at States News Network, John Hendricks. Uh, Derek Carr finished four of five, uh, Jameis Winston five of six, as well as Jake Hayner finishing five of five. 
in team drills. So a nice solid day for the quarterback. All right, family, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Saints. Make sure that you come through for the live episode, whether you catch it live on the Locked on Saints YouTube page or later as well. It's going to be probably going to be around 536-ish again uh, on tonight uh, to get you all caught up with all the big news and notes from day two of New Orleans Saints training camp. And then we'll be back Friday morning with another recap, much like this one, including our look at all of the rookies. Appreciate you as always to all your everydayers out there making it your first listen of the day every day. And of course, I thank you very much for making this show and myself a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. And as always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter or wherever <laughs> at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Trust you that nation. I'll holla at you.